It is Friday, October 16th here at Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our Week 6 DraftKings podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaap. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. No Tyler Syracuse with us today. Our pal is sick. He's still feeling the effects from playing Daniel Jones in his DK lineup last week. So we'll hope he gets over that soon. And this podcast is sponsored by our partners at Fanshare Sports. Fanshare curates hundreds of pieces of daily fantasy sports-related articles, tweets, and podcasts to create the most accurate ownership projections in the industry. Those projections can be found in the lineup generator on DraftSharks.com. And you can find up-to-date ownership info anytime at FanshareSports.com. Jared, I think it's time to start comparing me with Michael Jordan because I just three-peated in the crown his ass challenge. Yeah, I'm looking at the results here. Super close week. Um, we were all within, what, like eight points. Oh, man, th- this was, I, you know, my lineup ended up cashing in cash games, which, you know, I, I'd like to beat you guys, but you know, I'm more worried about actually, you know, winning the contest I have more money in. So, you know, it, it cashed by like five points, but it was a frustrating week. I My lineup had five touchdowns called back by penalties, but, you know, it, it did enough to get there. I, I do think that um, not playing Mike Davis last week was a mistake on my part. Um, and, and that's not to say, so the three running backs I played were uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Kareem Hunt, and Zeke Elliott. And I think all those guys were fine on their own, but I do think Davis was probably the best play at running back last week considering his price and his you know target volume. So I, I think that was a mistake, but I, I did enough to get away with it last week. Yeah, we all had Clyde Edwards-Alaire in our lineups, as did most people, and he did not work out, of course. We all had Darius Slayton. He did work out. Uh, I stacked up Teddy Bridgewater, Mike Davis, and Robbie Anderson from that Panthers matchup with Atlanta. So that paid off. I think that was pretty much the key for me here. I know you used Robbie Anderson. Tyler used Mike Davis. I made the mistake of not using Mike Davis over on FanDuel. We'll talk about that in the next segment. So I was pleased with the way this lineup worked out. Um, Obviously pleased to win for the third straight time. We'll all be back at it for week six on the Crown is Ass Challenge, though. Um, these guys trailing me now by two games for the season. I'm obviously due for a loss this weekend. So I'll show you the lineup that I'm going to use to lose that money to them and the lineups that they're going to use to take my money this week in the free post for this podcast on DraftSharks.com. We're, all go- we're also going to need to watch the game situations for this weekend. we got to watch the Patriots COVID situation. A couple of positive tests late in the week for them. They canceled practice Friday. So for now, the game is on. We'll have to watch and make sure that that's going to happen. Are there any other games that we're waiting to see on? It's, I think that the Colts was one, but it doesn't look like it's in peril. Yeah, the Colts was one. That one is on as of now. And then the um, Falcons-Vikings was in jeopardy there for a while. But it looks like that one's on too. So at this point, it just looks like Patriots-Broncos is the only one we need to worry about. And, of course, that was a game that was already postponed from last week. So we'll keep an eye out. And, obviously, if you plan to use Cam Newton or anybody else, then you're going to have to have some switches ready. But for now, Jared – with who we know is playing, who we assume is going to play, why don't you start us off with a cash quarterback? Yeah, I'm still trying to decide between the two Ryans at 5,900 bucks. Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Fitzpatrick. They, they've both been awesome this season. Um, Tannehill, 23.2 DK points per game. That's fourth best among main slate quarterbacks. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick is actually just ahead of Tannehill there, 23.6 DK points per game. Third highest among main slate quarterbacks. You know, both both in good matchups here. Fitzpatrick's matchups are actually a bit better. You know, the Jets are 31st in football outsiders past the DVOA, 18th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Um, Houston's 11th in football outsiders, 13th in adjusted fantasy points. My worry with Fitzpatrick is just that the Jets don't show up and Miami gets an early lead and Fitz just doesn't need to do a whole lot, I think. 
you know, Tannehill, it's a better chance he finds himself in a shootout against Houston. So I honestly haven't decided between these two guys. I think they're, they're both good plays though. Yeah. I don't really think that there's a strong argument for one being way ahead of the other. They, I have them both down as cash options as well. You mentioned the matchup for Fitzpatrick. The matchup for Tannehill looks negative if you just look at the fantasy numbers for the Texans against quarterbacks so far, especially on our strength of schedule page, which adjusts points allowed for opponent. But they're allowing the third highest passer rating in the league. They're bottom 12 in completion rate allowed, touchdown rate allowed. Ryan Tannehill threw for two touchdowns in each meeting against the Texans last year, ran for another touchdown in one of the meetings. So great spot for both. Both of these guys offer rushing upside. You know, maybe the chance that Fitzpatrick and the Dolphins blow out the Jets, maybe that lowers his ceiling for tournaments. I wouldn't worry too much about that for a cash lineup. I, I think both guys are in play. I'll be curious to see the uh, ownership projections on both of these players heading into the weekend because I think that could at least help to be a tiebreaker as I'm setting both my cash and my GPP lineups, at least if I'm playing a 50-50. Yeah, the other thing that might end up being a tiebreaker for me is there's two other Titans that I am – very likely gonna play in cash. I don't know if I want three Titans in cash. You know, one of them's one of them's AJ Brown. So I feel like if I play Brown, I can soak up a lot of Tannehill's production. You know, with Brown, especially with Corey Davis out again this week. So you know, I, I guess at this point, that might have me leaning towards Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I think that's another good way to break the tie. Over on the GPP side, I think. I don't know. I have Fitzpatrick down as having a higher ceiling than Tannehill. I'm not really sure that that's the case, you know, in case Miami does blow that one out. But I guess if they blow out the Jets, then we'll probably see multiple touchdowns from Ryan Fitzpatrick in that game. I don't think that Miles Gaskin is the two plus touchdown guy in that game. So I guess a blowout wouldn't necessarily be a negative. Again, I want to see the ownership projections on these guys, because if Ryan Fitzpatrick or Ryan Tannehill is in double digits, then that'll only further motivate me to kind of lean towards some of the other guys. And when I'm looking for ceiling and worried a little bit less about the price tag, I think Matthew Stafford is in play against Jacksonville, although his ownership level is probably going to be high. And then Cam Newton, 6,500 against Denver if they're playing this week, and Tom Brady, 6,500 against Green Bay. I think both of those guys are in play, especially if ownership is higher on the other players. We already know that both Newton and Brady bring that ceiling potential, and Brady is projected for 2.1% ownership right now. I'm guessing that you know, along with there being lots of QB options this week, that's based a little bit on his, uh, you know, I guess rough outing last week against Chicago, but that was a a much worse matchup than he is going to have this week against Green Bay. And Tom Brady's QB six in fantasy on the season. The two games before that Chicago game, he racked up eight touchdown passes against those opponents, Denver and the LA Chargers at home. So he's getting Chris Godwin back. There's no injury status on Godwin for that game. I think Tom Brady offers us plenty of ceiling to be a nice GPP quarterback this week. Right. Yeah. He's QB six and he, his wide receivers are going to be as healthy this week as they've been all season with Evans playing, Godwin playing, even, even Scotty Miller, Justin Watson are healthy for this game. So Brady's interesting. Um, I know Tyler likes Cam Newton a lot as a tournament quarterback. You should probably be listening to him when it comes to, you know, tournament plays. So that obviously makes sense. I, I have Matt Stafford here. You know, he Fanshare has him as the most popular quarterback on the slate, which obviously sucks a little. I'm still going to play him though. Um, you know, Kenny Galladay is one of the most popular wide receivers, but I think you can differentiate by either playing Galladay plus TJ Hawkinson or playing Marvin Jones rather than Ke- Kenny Galladay. I mean, Galladay much safer, obviously, but Jones cheaper. Um, we've seen him have blow up games, even though he's been quiet so far this season. So now I, I just like Matt Stafford. We talked about 
him a lot on um, yesterday's preview pod, but the Jags have just been the get right matchup for opposing offenses. The Texans broke out against them last week. Joe Mixon broke out against the Jags two weeks before that. Jacksonville's dead last in both football outsiders past the rankings and adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. They've already allowed three different quarterbacks to top 25 DraftKings points this season. So despite the ownership, um, I'm still going to play Stafford in tournaments this week. Yeah, I think that if I were trying to differentiate, I would put both Galladay and Marvin Jones in that lineup because I, if I want Stafford to be my tournament-winning quarterback, he's got to have a big passing day. I think he's bringing both of those guys with him, especially with Galladay at 6,200 in salary. So it's not like you're paying up, you know, it's 75, 8K and hamstringing yourself otherwise in salary at other positions. So yeah. I think that, that'd be the way for me rather than leaving Galladay out. Yeah, that's the other reason I like to stack is it's just very affordable with Galladay mm-hmm. price there, Marvin Jones price where he is. You know, Hawkinson is a bit pricey, I think, compared to other tight ends. But just in general, I like I like using a tight end in my, in my stack when possible because it's just such a crappy position. And if your quarterback's going to go off and you have a t- tight end like Hawkinson, who's a big part of the passing game, there's a pretty good chance he's going to have a nice week. And it's easier for a wide receiver to score a touchdown and not stand out than it is for a tight end to score a touchdown and not stand out. Yeah, it's very true. Over at running back, what are we doing with $7,200 Alexander Madison? Because there's no, yeah. even though he's the backup thrust into duty here, there's no savings on him. Yeah, I'm glad DK priced him up where he is. Mm-hmm. So he's just not like a free square that every single you know lineup has. I think he's definitely in play. Um, you know, He checks in as a top 10 value at the position. Um, I don't think he's a must play. I think there are, you know, a few running backs. I think there's, you know, four, maybe five running backs in play for cash this week. Yeah, I agree with both of those uh, takes on it. I don't think he's a must play. I certainly think he's in play. I'm going to be curious as well to see what the ownership projections look like for these guys, because it seems like there's a big group that could be anywhere from like 10% to 30%. And I'll be curious to see which couple of running backs really pop to the top of that group, or if it gets more spread out now that we don't have, you know, the more obvious studs on the slate this week, like Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara. Um, For cash, David Montgomery certainly stands out. He's popular, I know, but 5,800 bucks, very affordable. Second in our DK dollars per point rankings. He gets the league's most generous running back defense this week in the Carolina Panthers. They've allowed the most rushing and total touchdowns to running backs so far. They are tied for the most running back receptions allowed. They just yielded a 14-carry, 121-yard, one-touchdown day to Todd Gurley. So unless the Bears fall way behind or just don't go to David Montgomery as much as they should, it seems like basically a lock that he's at least okay in this game. Yeah, he's getting basically workhorse usage since uh, Tariq Cohen was lost for the season. Uh, the Panthers have already allowed four different running backs to reach 28 DraftKings points. And so, you know, that's sort of the upside you're getting with David Montgomery. So I like him a lot for cash and, and tournaments. So even if he's pricey, I think, uh, even if he's popular, I think at that price, um, you, know, you can sort of use him despite the ownership. Uh, I have Derrick Henry for cash. He'll probably be like like my first running back in. And, you know, he, he's a bit scary to play in DraftKings cash because, you know, we know he's not going to do a ton in the passing game. He, he has at least seen either two or three targets in all four games so far this season. So, you know, he's probably not going to give you a zero in the reception department. But I, I still think – I think 7,300 is too cheap for Derrick Henry with the rushing volume he's getting. He's averaging 25 carries per game, 94 rushing yards per game. And he's really in a great spot here against Houston. Tennessee home favorites. They have one of the highest implied totals on the week. And Houston's allowing – 5.2 yards per carry through running backs. They've allowed the most running back rushing yards. They've allowed the fourth most running back rushing touchdowns. I, I, I'd i be surprised if Henry doesn't have a big game on the ground this week. 
Yeah, I mean, strong matchup certainly sets up for a big game. I think he, I, 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 he's obviously in play. I think he doesn't quite reach the level of Elliott and other guys who would be more like you got to play him. You can't totally fade him this week because Henry is more touchdown reliant than those guys. He only has six catches through four games. So like you said, not a zero receiving, but he's not likely to help us on the receiving side if he just, you know, doesn't happen to get the touchdowns here, which has already happened in two of four games so far this season. So a little bit more flimsy than our usual stud running backs, but I certainly agree with him being in play. I, I prefer Mike Davis as my high price running back on DK this week, because even if they have trouble running the ball or even if they fall behind, which I don't really see happening against the bears, five plus catches in every game for Mike Davis, eight plus catches in three of four. It makes him basically matchup proof. And he scored more than 20 PPR points in each of his starts. So again, I think he's just like a higher floor option in the full PPR and DK than uh, Derek Henry is. Yeah, so you know we've hit on now the four running backs I'll be considering in cash: Henry, Madison, Mike Davis, David Montgomery. You can make a case, I think, for Miles Gaskin at fifty-four hundred bucks, um, just for the type of usage he's getting. Um, but I think it's going to be those those other four guys I'll be deciding between. You know, getting three of those guys in the cash lineup on the GPP side, we might be getting Mike Davis at a lower ownership rate than he should be getting at this point. He's currently projected at eleven percent. I mean, it looks like the other guys in that 7k range might be pushing some of the ownership away from him. And I don't know if people are, are scared of the matchup, but it doesn't, it's not a scary rushing matchup against the bears, it's a much worse matchup for passing. Yeah. Again, I think like I've said every week so far this year, like I, I'm not going to go too far off the board with my tournament plays at running backs. So I'm going to consider again, those four guys I talked about the, the one guy I, I might go off the board for is Aaron Jones at 7,600 bucks. He, he's like the, you know, talented running back with volume in a bad matchup, which is going to get people off him. But first of all, it's not like the Bucks are an impossible matchup. Alvin Kamara scored 23.7 points against them this season. Christian McCaffrey scored 24.8 points against them this season. Now, both those guys scored two touchdowns. Uh, but, you know, Jones has two touchdown upside. This game has the highest over-under on the week, uh, or sorry, on the main slate at least, at 56 points. Green Bay has a 28.5 point implied total. That's second highest on the main slate. Um, the Bucks also lost Vita Vea, who, you know, is, is their, one of their better interior run defenders. So maybe the matchup gets a bit easier. So you know, j- just Jones with the low ownership, he's a guy we've already seen this year have, you know, weak winning performances. So I think he's worth a shot in tournaments. Yeah, I also like the ceiling on James Robinson. He's tied for eighth in projected ownership at running back right now. You know, I'm not too tied up in that, but, you know, anybody that you can get for lower ownership than the top group who does go off, it certainly helps. Four plus catches in three straight games for him. So even if they fall behind, he's been involved. You know, some risk that Chris Thompson takes on more, but it just hasn't really factored in too much yet. And James Robinson's averaging 14.6 carries on a one and four team. So he's getting the ball again, even if they are losing as they are doing most of the time. A lot of the focus has been on the Lions this week, but I don't I don't know. I don't think that the Lions are a good bet to blow anyone out, even the Jaguars this week. And the line doesn't project them to blow Jacksonville out. You know, is it possible? Sure. If Matthew Stafford's hitting and his receivers are playing well, but it's also possible this is a close game that even Jacksonville wins. And I think James Robinson could be key to making that happen. The Lions are second worst defense in run defense DVOA, according to Football Outsiders. So I would at least assume that Jacksonville heads into this one, planning to go to James Robinson a lot early. Yeah, I mean, I like Robinson this week enough that I I thought he'd be a cash game consideration. I think he's a bit pricey compared to some of the other guys to play in cash, but I, I think in tournaments, he's definitely a good option. The upside's there in this matchup. 
Wide receiver for cash. What do you like? Yeah, I'm going AJ Brown here. Um, he's just he's the case where a guy's price doesn't move because he played late. You know, usually we talk about it on Monday, but AJ Brown played on Tuesday, so you know DraftKings had no chance to move his price. So he's still at 5,600 bucks. He obviously looked good, had a big game against Buffalo. The usage was there. You know, he played a full allotment of snaps. Saw a 32% target share. Um, Adam Humphreys is back this week for Tennessee. But Corey Davis is still out, so it's going to be AJ Brown and Johnny Smith dominating the target for Tennessee this week. And again, this matchup against Houston isn't one to be afraid of. So, you know, I think Brown's going to be like a thousand dollars more expensive when we get to week seven. So I think you take advantage of the discount this week. Adam Humphreys will be absorbing that safety coverage in the middle of the field to clear up space for AJ Brown this week. Totally. Eight and nine targets for AJ Brown in his two appearances so far this year, 21 targets over his two meetings with Houston last year. He topped 110 yards and scored a touchdown in each of those games. So, I mean, you know, like you mentioned, the game time this week just kept them from pricing him up, but he's way lower than he should be for the profile that he brings in. So, yeah, he's going to be a lock for cash, probably a lock for most of my GPP lineups as well, regardless of uh, how popular he is. Kenny yeah. Galladay, I think, is also in play, even if you don't play Matthew Stafford, 6,200. He'll be popular, but it doesn't really matter. Seven and eight targets in his two games, touchdown in each of those, and playing that Jacksonville defense that we've already talked about. It's terrible, really, on all fronts at this point. Potential. GPP fade, I think, for Galladay if you're not playing Stafford because of that high ownership. Because, you know, any wide receiver can be volatile even if the matchup is terrific. But he's also not a full fade for me because I think there's upside to hit that 100-yard bonus and score multiple touchdowns. Yeah, I agree. Tough tough to get away from Galladay. Um, He's a strong cash game consideration for me too. Uh, one more guy I want to mention down in a similar uh, salary range is Devonte Parker at 6,300. Quiet versus the Niners last week with cornerback Jason Verrett in – primary coverage on him and Verrett's quietly playing uh, very well for the 49ers so far but Parker still scored in that game he had 20 catches over his previous three games and the Jets are the worst in the league versus number one wideouts according to football outsiders so it's a good spot for Parker I think you know relative to the position he's a pretty safe bet to get volume and to produce in this matchup yeah I love Parker and I actually have Preston Williams here as my tournament play 4,700 bucks coming off his best game of the season most productive game of the season you know looked the best to my eyes PFF gave him his highest grade of the season. So, um, you know, optimistic about where he's heading now. And like you said, this matchup against the Jets, um, there are two outside corners, Pierre Desir and Blessing Austin rank 94th and 109th out of 116 qualifying corners. Austin's dealing with a calf injury. He's questionable. If he doesn't play, they're going to the other Lamar Jackson as his replacement, who last week allowed nine catches on 10 targets for 165 yards and a touchdown. A lot of that came against DeAndre Hopkins, so we'll give him a little bit of a break, but that's that's still bad. So regardless of who the Jets are throwing out there, it's a great matchup for these Dolphins wide receivers. I think you got to give the guy a break when he was simultaneously playing quarterback against the Bengals and cornerback <laughs> against the Cardinals. Sure, yeah. At the other end of the salary spectrum, Adam Thielen is a guy that I'm going to ignore the popularity for and try to get to at 7,300. In this week where we don't have as many high-priced running backs. I think Adam Thielen kind of takes over that spot because he's about as safe a bet as we can find at wide receiver to get targets. 17 catches over the past two games, eight plus targets in four of his five games. He had the one down week against Tennessee where only saw five targets, but then a week after that, he saw 10 targets in a game where Kirk Cousins only threw 22 passes. So even if we don't get high passing volume here, Adam Thielen is about as good a bet as there is at the position to see target opportunity. The matchup against Atlanta, you don't really even have to say anything for at this point. Really, the only disappointing game that Thielen has had is against the Colts so far, for whom 
uh, Xavier Rhodes is rebounding and has a DB's coach that knew Adam Thielen going into that one. So otherwise, he's just been terrific. Yeah, I like Thielen a lot. I like Allen Robinson up there at $7,000. I also wanted to mention Chris Godwin. Um, you know, I, honestly, at 6400 bucks, he's like tempting in cash. I'm probably going to try to avoid it. Just, you know, a guy in his first game off a hamstring injury. But Godwin isn't listed on the final injury report. He put in a full practice on Friday. You know, Mike Evans is going to play in this game too, but he was limited all week. So it almost seems at this point like Godwin is more is you know healthier than Evans is. Um, he has the better matchup this week in the slot. You know, he's going to avoid Jair Alexander. So I think Godwin at this point would be my bet to be Tampa's most pro- you know productive wide receiver in this game. Yeah, the hamstring would scare me a little bit for cash, but I certainly enjoy that profile for a GPP lineup and it's a better price for Godwin here than we're going to get for him on FanDuel. So it certainly makes him even that much more attractive on this side. Yep. At tight end for cash, I'm starting with Irv Smith down at the minimum, 2,500. Tight end's fairly ugly this week if Mark Andrews' salary does not fit into my lineup. So uh, Smith's playing time, his routes, his targets were all up last week. That doesn't make him safe, obviously, this week. He could drop back down in all those areas, but it's enough to go with the minimum price tag to make him worth a shot. And I can just pay up everywhere else to get that safety that I'm losing from going to Irv Smith. Alexander Madison, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, I think they're all going to help keep Smith's ownership down. So that's just a bonus for him if he does anything for us. And the Falcons have allowed the second most tight end points and the most touchdowns this season. So the Vikings, if anything, have a reason to try to go to Irv Smith this week. I am with you. I'm going to play Irv Smith and Cash. This will be the third week in a row I play a minimum priced guy in Cash. And honestly, the first two have not worked out. Adam Troutman and Olamide Zacchaeus the past two weeks. But, you know, last week still cashed with Zacchaeus. Two weeks ago, Troutman, I didn't cash that week, but I don't I don't blame him as we talked about. There were people that won tournaments with the zero from Adam Troutman. So it's just, it's just a price thing. Um, and, yeah, Smith could give us a zero if his usage reverts back to what we saw the first four weeks. Um, but if it doesn't, like, you know, he should be priced like $2,000 more than this. So I, I think he's definitely worth a shot. Right. And he, if he catches a six yard touchdown, he has more than paid off for us here. Oh yeah. On the GPP side, I would like to get to Mark Andrews at 6,500 bucks. The Eagles are the third worst in tight end coverage. According to football outsiders, they've allowed five touchdowns to the position. Of course, three of those came from Tyler Higby back in week two. They've allowed those monster ceiling games to Tyler Higby and George Kittle already this season. So we know that that potential is there. We've seen multiple touchdown games from Mark Andrews again this season. So we know that that is there. So just that combo makes me want to try to get to him if I can. Yeah, I'm with you. I'd like to get to Mark Andrews. Um, I also like TJ Hawkinson again for tournaments, um, especially in your Stafford lineups. Uh, $5,300. You know, even with Galladay back the past two weeks, Hawkinson saw 11 targets. The Jags are not good against tight ends. Football Outsider says them 31st in tight end coverage. They've allowed the third most tight end yards, the fifth most tight end touchdown. So, you know, again, if Stafford has a big game, I think there's a good chance that Hawkinson is with him. If you you can just say for any position they're playing against the Jags, yeah. I don't think there's anything they're good at at this point. It's true. I think there are also some other options. I talked about it being ugly, but, you know, if you you're building a lot that doesn't have room for a $6,500 tight end. John, John Smith is 5,200. Um, Evan Ingram's 4,900. Eric Ebron's 4,100. None of those guys is as safe as Mark Andrews, although John Smith is getting into that territory. Uh, but they all have good matchups. I think they're all worth considering for GPP lineup builds. You know, again, if you want to spend that money at wide receiver, for example, instead of at tight end. At flex, I think there's plenty of running back and wide receiver options in that 5K, 6K range to play around with that. Those are going to be the positions where I'm going rather than considering a second tight end this week. 
Yeah, we've talked about all the running backs that I'm going to con- consider. Um, the one wide receiver I'm looking at, we haven't talked about yet, is Tyler Boyd. Um, you know, he's easily leading the Bengals in targets. I think he's like top 12 among all wide receivers. He has 40 targets through five games. And you mentioned how good Xavier Rhodes has been on the outside for the Colts. You know, Boyd has played over 80% of his snaps in the slot this season. So he's going to avoid Xavier Rhodes in this game. I think that's going to push even more volume his way. So um, you know, at his price, 5,800 bucks, I think he's a, he's a nice value. And he's projected for very low ownership. So I, I'm not sure I would play him in a cash lineup, but in a tournament lineup, if he does have this high volume day, even if he's not terribly efficient and doesn't find the end zone, he could really pay off at like a 1.6% ownership projection right now, I believe. Yeah, like it. On defense, the Vikings at 2,300 versus the Falcons are going to be my starting point for the low end. Um, you know, not a good defense, but there is upside to it, especially with the matchup against the Falcons. I mean, Matt Ryan's been erratic lately. He looked terrible against Carolina last week. Others in play, I think, are, are Miami at 2,900. Uh, for cash, at least, I would fade the Dolphins at their high ownership projection in a GPP field. And then the next steps up for me are kind of Washington at 3,300. And then at the high end, the Colts at 4,000 against the Bengals and Patriots at 4,100 against the Broncos. Yeah, I'd like to use Miami in cash. I mean, you know, they they have the Jets. You don't need to say much more. Um, but uh, knowing me, I'll probably end up going cheaper at defense. Um, I do think the Vikings are a nice play at 2,300. I think even the Bengals at 2,100, just, you know, getting a shot at Phillip Rivers and how bad he's been so far this season, they're, they're, they're fine at that price. Yeah, I agree with that. And even though the Bengals aren't a good defense overall, they have enough talent in various places that they can certainly create turnovers and get a couple sacks there. Yep. All right, that's going to do it for this week six DraftKings podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com right now to get cash game recommendations from Jared, to get tournament picks from Tyler, who will also lay out his favorite stacks of the week. Check out the lineup generator to build your own lineups with the help of the DS projections, fan share ownership projections, and imported player salaries. And come Saturday morning, we will show you who we're playing against each other in week six of the Crown is Ass Challenge. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShoutDS. That's S-C-H-A-U-F. And you can hit Tyler still with your questions at Tyler Syracuse. That's uh, Syracuse with an I. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Shouse saying thanks so much for swimming with us. 